Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of, uh, you know, a, a clown. Your show is better when you had medical questions. Hey! I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, and now a podcast. Now a podcast, only for the last 10 years. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who keeps the weird alternative medicine assholes at bay. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347 And visit us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at drscottwm. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weird medicine just just go there if you want to get a bristol stool scale mug i mean you know we make 20 cents so don't worry about it but that it is hilarious that's a great uh, uh gag gift you know what else is a great gag gift uh dr scott a flatus flute oh no those are you can go to flatusflute.com and order you a whistling butt plug and don't use it just put it in people's stockings as a gag gift you know, at one of those parties, not at the office. It's not safe for work. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, whatever. Yeah, do I have to say that in 2020? Don't take a flatus flute to the to the office you know, holiday party because you're going to get your ass fired or have to go to sensitivity training. <laughs> Flatus flute. Flatus flute's hilarious, though. That is pretty funny. I still, it cracks me up thinking of uh, Son of Fritz's uh, artwork on that. He's a hell of an artist. He is really quite talented young man. And um, Have we heard from him? In- I haven't heard from him in ages. I'll I don't know whatever happened years. to him. Yeah. yeah. He used to call all the time with questions. But he... Uh, yeah, his, his that style that he did on there is sort of Ren and Stimpy style. Mm-hmm. So just imagine a Ren and Stimpy style Dr. Steve with a Ren and Stimpy style ass cheeks, close up of ass cheeks. So you're sort of looking past the ass cheeks to me with, you know, the spiky hair and all that stuff farting out musical notes in my face and i'm grinning like it's you know it Enjoying. smells like flowers or perfume or something that's mm-hmm. <laughs> the stupidest thing it is pretty stupid. and they're cheap too but flatusflute.com buy 10 of them all right dan who makes them <laughs> is hilarious so uh check out stuff.drsteve.com for all your amazon needs just go to stuff.drsteve.com it's holidays 
please, the more you use that, the uh, easier it is for us to keep doing this stupid show. Well, that might not be a good thing. but And then uh, if... If you need a case of wine for the holidays, go to wine.drsteve.com. You'll get a better deal there if they ship to your state. I bought 250 bucks worth of wine from there for like 80 bucks the other day. Uh, it's all, uh, you know, small, um, small vintners, and and it is uh, it's incredible. I, we have been nothing but happy with that. And I placed my order on Monday. We've got it by Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, tweakedaudio.com, great stocking stuffers, uh, the best earbuds for the price. And if you use offer code FLUID, you can buy three and get it for the price of two. Or you can get 33% off one, whatever. And then if you want, if you need to lose weight before the holidays because you know you're going to gain weight, during the holidays, go to Noom, N-O-O-M dot drsteve.com. You get two weeks free. Try it out. It's not a diet. It's a psychology program. If you like it, you can continue. It's a three-month program. You pay for it. You get 20% off if cool. you use Noom dot drsteve.com. And then just don't forget to go to Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. Now, if you want one of these masks, do you have one, Scott? I don't think so. Okay, well, here you go. You can like uh, they're weird medicine masks, and they um, work against COVID-19 as well as anything else, <laughs> any other masks do. Oh, and they got God. the weird medicine logo on them. They're, they're beautiful. Uh, we only had 75 of them made, and we're down to our last uh, 20. So um, if you want one of those, you can get it free with the purchase of the Weird Medicine Archive. So just go to drsteve.com, click on the link that says... Uh, get all of you know these shows on a thumb drive. You get a 32 gig thumb drive with um, uh, a 400 and what 30 shows at this point on there, and some a little bit of extra stuff. And then you get the face mask. And then Tacey and I autograph some stuff. And now that Scott's back, we'll get him to autograph a thing or two. And we oh, just yeah. throw some. We just throw some Chotskys in there sometimes. So uh, anyway, go to drsteve.com for that. All right. Well, good to see you, too, again today. Glad to be here. Glad well, to sort of glad to be here, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I was thinking we weren't going to be able to do it today because I was supposed to have a frigging um, root canal. Ugh. And once again, the uh, endodontist begged off saying, look, you're going to lose the tooth anyway. Because I, I, apparently I grind my teeth when I'm sleeping. Okay. And I only recently kind of figured this out, and no, none of my dentists or anybody's ever said, hey, you know, maybe the reason that your teeth keep fracturing, you know, it's always the rear molar. And I get that one removed, then this one removed. One time, I, the first time this happened, I had a, they put a temporary um, crown on. Then the I went to the endodontist. They're the ones that do root, contel, root canals. And she went in and and you know, reamed out the nerve root and all the blood supply and everything. And then they put this gutta percha stuff down in there and cram it in. And then um, I had the the crown put on. So now, okay, so the the root canal's what, 1,200, the crown's 1,200, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm 2,400 into this. And then after, a, a, you know, maybe two weeks later, the pain came back. Ugh. And I go in to see her, the endodontist thinking, well, you know, maybe she needs to repeat the root canal. She's like, nope. You just have to have a tooth extracted. Oh my so gosh. then it was another four hundred bucks for that. So it was a 
whatever that works out to is about a $3,000 tooth extraction. Jeez. So the last time I had it, they said it was going to be the same thing. You know, I can do a root canal, but you're going to lose the tooth anyway because I keep fracturing the most rearward molars. And uh, when I was a kid, I had um, uh, these uh, fluoride treatments that -hmm. kept me from ever having a cavity. Right. But I think it made my teeth brittle. And with all the stress and all this crap, and of course, and I'm older, so, you know, 65 years of grinding my teeth, I guess, that I wasn't even aware of. Now I'm just breaking my teeth. So I was supposed to have one today. And she said, no, you're going to lose the tooth anyway. And, you know, it might be six months from now. It could be two years from now, but you will lose the tooth. And uh, so it was like, I was like, well, so what should I do? And she's like, well, it's kind of 50-50. And it's like, well, then hell. But now I got to have damn implants because if I, when I lose this tooth, now I, I don't have any molars on that side. Hmm. So now I'm just going to have to have implants, which should stop this from happening. Right, because now the implant will take the brunt of the damage that I'm doing when I chew and stuff like that. And I'm wearing mouth guards now, so hopefully that'll be the end of it. How much does an implant hurt? Yeah, don't even. Oh, how much does it hurt? Now, that I don't know the answer. Um, You know, if anybody's had this done, feel free to call in and scare the crap out of me. It's fine. But um, it, it will hurt less, I guess, than having just a chronically you know fractured tooth and it's not yeah. the fracture that causes the pain it's the bacteria that work their way down that fracture line mm-hmm. and then cause inflammation that causes the pain yeah because the, the tooth is spread out a little bit i guess and puts pressure on the nerves yeah well that too assume, but yeah. but really where the fracture line is bacteria are you know they're microscopic sure. the fracture is not you can see the line so they get down in there and work their way down into the root area and then the body comes in to go what the hell y'all doing and get yeah. the hell out of here and then it causes inflammation and the inflammation is what causes the pain so as long as i stay on the antibiotics right now i'm okay mm-hmm. but um i can't stay on antibiotics no for so. we need to get you some good edibles for nighttime if we were in a stable of course <laughs> that had edibles that would be good It'd keep you from grinding your teeth well I, yeah the mouth guard will keep me from grinding my teeth too but yeah I th- i'm up for that yeah buddy I I, you you know Listen, I, I know I, people. I know people. I am a libertarian. <laughs> I think that it should be completely legal. Well, Virginia is talking about legalizing it. They I did legalize that. it. Yeah. To for medical use no, up to ten milligrams. Talking about now recreational use. Oh, really? Yes, okay. it was on the news yesterday. Okay, awesome. Because um, we're right on the line, so I'm we're assuming right you can go up there and just get you some, come back down. But uh, you know, it should be. Um, it should be legal across the country, and mm-hmm. it needs to be declassified from a Schedule One mm-hmm. to a non-scheduled drug, and uh, like alcohol, right. and just make it legal, and then tax the shit out of it, and put the black market side out of business. I'm, you know, I'm okay with that. I guess people who make a living in in you know black market transport of these. Of this substance uh, probably wouldn't be happy with me saying that, but they could just turn around and get into the legal business. They'll make more money, oh, yeah. and it'll be a lot less risky. Yep. You know, because if you're transporting and you could get busted, oh shoot, yeah. You know, you lose the whole shipment. This way, you just pay your taxes and you, yep. you just go on your way. Never have to worry about getting busted. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it makes a lot more sense. 
But I can't believe you grind your teeth at darn bad. To, I, I mean, can't believe yeah. a dentist hasn't done anything about it. Yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't say something after the third time this happened. You know, I had to figure that out on my own. But she said, well, have you been under more stress lately? And I'm like, seriously? Just look at her and laugh? <laughs> I did. That's exactly. I went, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Just fine. Just fine. <laughs> did you make your own mouth guard, by the way? No, I'm uh, uh, so far. I've been using the disposable ones from like Walmart, you know, yeah. or Walgreens. Uh, you wear them for three days, but it absolutely keeps me from grinding my teeth. Yeah, your neighbor here. Back when I was in high school, I broke my jaw, and he said, "He goes, well, you got two choices. I can either make you a uh, mouth guard for about six hundred dollars. You can make your own." Oh yeah, how, do, how did he say to make your own? Well, and I went and bought a a, a little uh, the uh, football mouth guard. And made it myself, and then just trimmed the edges off of it so at nighttime it's not so bulky. Yeah. Shoot, it's perfect. Well, they have the ones in there that are reusable, yeah. and you heat them up in boiling water, yes. and then you clamp down on them. I would be interested. Any dentists that are listening, I know we have dentists that listen because they reach out to me from time to time. Any thoughts you have on this, particularly home remedies like that, I'd be very interested in. Yeah. Because that's we don't learn anything about teeth in medical no, school at no. all. I know nothing about dentistry. I think no. my mouth guard cost three hundred or four hundred dollars. Yeah, what are they? And it was. It, what are I they mean, charging it, you to for? To me, it's I'm, worth it. I'm. Yeah. The molding, the time, I guess. Okay. Or you could make the make one just like it for seven dollars. Right. Well, that's that's the thing. So I tried uh, that; it didn't work. Is for there me. a demonstrable difference between those? And I, you know, the dentist will have a vested interest, but you know, mm-hmm. I, but I would like to hear what the evidence is on mm-hmm. that. Well, non-biased El Cheapo me. Yeah. And the, yeah. Well, and the CVS disposable ones, you have to throw them away every night, and they're harder than the than the Walgreens ones. I like the Walgreens ones better, so there you go. Mm. I didn't think there'd be any difference, well, but there was. We'll have to make you one during Thanksgiving. That's what we'll do. All right. Okie doke. Uh, we have news. Yeah. You want to? Lots of good You want to talk about it? Hey, you've got it pulled up. You started. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> you know, I just want to be Howard to your Robin. And okay, I, give up know. on that because that's yeah. not going to well, happen. But Tacey, can, she she does it. For fi- I didn't do it this week. Hey, no. But. For 15 years, he's wanted that to happen, mm-hmm. and he's over 15. So at least Yeah, it's not that I want to be Howard Stern. I just want I, you know, somebody else to I do bring some work. These people, and no, it's not even that. It's just to <laughs> read the news stories and let me comment on them rather than having, but it's okay. It's just never hey, going to happen. Hey, right. there's a news story. What do you got? About, there are a couple viruses. I mean, <laughs> going around, and then and then, but a that's not what viruses. I. I meant to say. Um, I meant to say there's um, vaccinations. Coming. Yes, that is true. There going are two, around. and I think Pfizer. By the time this airs, Pfizer may have re- requested approval from the FDA. They re- they needed to reach 162 cases and then do the statistics on it. And they just passed like 175 today. Cool. <clears throat> so what they did was they had 40,000 people, 20,000 got placebo, and 20,000 got the um, uh, vaccine. And uh, after they did the final analysis on effectiveness, uh, the, stu- the vaccine met all of their prime- primary efficacy endpoints. So what you got to do is you got to say, look, we got to get to this level before we can ever say that it's statistically significant. And the more effective it is, the quicker you can get there. Right. So if it's 55 to 45, you've got to do a lot more cases 
to say, wow, this really is effective compared to the other one. And that's crappy, mm-hmm. right? You know, 10% better. But uh, in fact, they hit uh, 95%. Uh, efficacy rate, in other words, that it it was 95% effective in preventing infection with the um, uh, p-value of being less than 0.0001. So that's one in 10,000 chance that this could be, um, this could be um, by random chance. And we'll, we'll go p less than, um, you know, uh, five, five, you know, five percent. Mm-hmm. We, we consider that statistically very significant. good. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that would be what uh, five times in a hundred. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so uh, let me see. Let me get the numbers here. Uh, so the first primary objective analysis is based on 170 cases of COVID nineteen, of which 162 cases were observed in the placebo group versus eight cases in the vaccine group. So that's huge. So um, the efficacy was consistent across age, gender, race, and ethnicity. And uh, the observed efficacy in adults over 65 years of age was 94%. Okay. There were 10 severe cases. Severe cases are people who not only are in the hospital but need respiratory support. And uh, in the in during the trial, ten people got were that sick, and uh, nine of the cases were in the placebo group. Only only one in the vaccinated group. So that's awesome. Now their case rate was pretty low. They had forty thousand people, and only what did I say? A hundred and hundred and seventy cases. So um, hang on a second. Echo, what percentage? Is one seventy of forty thousand? See if she understands it that way. One hundred seventy is zero point four two five percent of forty thousand. Yeah, so it's point four. You know, like less than half of one percent mm-hmm. actually were infected. Now, that's people that they know about. Somebody asked me about it. Well, what about asymptomatic cases? Well, I I participated in the Pfizer study. Unless you serendipitously got a COVID test that came back positive, they would not be aware of you. So this is not, doesn't correct for or account for asymptomatic cases, either in the placebo group or in the the treatment group. Because the way that the protocol went was if you got symptoms, like if you got a a cough or a sore throat or a fever, you would uh, enter it into this app and say, yes, I have that. And then they would immediately ask you to shove the the um, probe up your nose and send it to them. And then if you needed to go on and get treated, then you would do that. And then they would follow up with you. Okay. So they would, they're looking at symptomatic cases. Do we care about asymptomatic cases? We do mm-hmm. in the sense that they, they're wandering around maybe infecting people. But right. – the truth about asymptomatic carriers of this is that the transmissibility without them snotting on you or coughing or, you know, breathing heavily on you or being in the same area as you are within six feet for more than 15 minutes is very low. Mm. So people who are symptomatic can infect more people. People who are asymptomatic will infect less readily, but they're in contact with more people. Because right. if I'm symptomatic, I'm going to isolate myself, right? Right. 
So so it kind of evens out. So we do care about asymptomatic people. But this really this vaccine is really just telling us right now about people who, um, uh, you know, were symptomatic. Now, Pfizer could later on go and call all of us in and draw antibodies and see which people went from antibody negative because they did that in the beginning. They drew antibody titers on all of us. Uh, and now, how many people went from no antibodies to having antibodies but never had symptoms? So you know that's a confirmed asymptomatic case. Mm. And then they could look and see if there's a difference between groups there, too. And I'm, I would predict that there would be. But it's very interesting. What about the people who are not going to get this vaccine because they feel like it's been rushed? Right. Or okay. that it's Bill Gates' vaccine and yeah. it's got a chip in it. Right. Okay, <laughs> first off, we don't have the technology to put chips that are that small that could do anything to you and put it in your arm, in I a muscle. I don't know, Steve. Yeah, I do know. <laughs> I do know. So that is, we don't have that technology yet. Um, these yeah. machines, um, you know, these viral machines, the viruses are just little machines they're sub-microscopic. You cannot see them with a microscope. You need an electron microscope to see them. And um, the mRNA fragments are even smaller than those, you know, because it's just basically the instructions on how to make the spike protein. So you've got these little mRNA fragments. So it's even smaller than the genome of the virus itself. Right, because it's part of it. Right. So to somehow put a machine... In a um, in a syringe, a thirty gauge syringe, and inject it into you and do anything with that. How still? It's not like it can broadcast to a satellite to tell people where you are. Even if it worked, like you you could somehow put an RFID chip in somebody, hmm. you'd still have to walk by a scanner. You know, it it doesn't take it doesn't like your credit transmit. card. Yeah, it doesn't no, transmit. No. How's it going to transmit body. anything? Exactly. It doesn't yeah. have a battery. It doesn't have an antenna. I mean, it's just that's not possible. Well, I believe my mother is part of that group. Your mother is. Um, yeah, I believe I, she I don't is. Wanna, I don't know if she still is, but she was at one. Your point. Your mother's not a smart woman. And <laughs> she challenged. Yeah. I mean, she thinks <laughs> you make. A lasagna with retardo cheese, and she thinks a, a you know the coffee drink at at um, uh, McDonald's is called a floopy. So I'm I'm gonna not worry about what your mom thinks. As a matter of fact, we don't have to worry about whether she takes the vaccine because she's already had the. But dang she thing. is not alone. That's and, the, and that's I, right. That's and the I problem. did yeah. read where in order for a vaccine to be effective, and I can't remember where I read this. Or specifically the numbers, so ha-ha. I know the numbers. Um, 80 to 85% need to take it. Not in this case. So so let's walk through the math. For us to achieve the first threshold for herd immunity, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what we're going for is herd immunity. Uh, We have to do, um, there's a formula for that, and it's 1 minus 1 over the R sub 0. Okay? So... The R sub zero is the theoretical transmissibility of a virus. And for uh, SARS-CoV-2 or SARS, you know, the virus that causes COVID-19, that number is 2.4, which means that if you have a person with this virus and you put them in a population that is vulnerable, 
right, mm-hmm. then they will infect 2.4 people on average. Now, there will be somebody who will infect 90 people, and then you get a whole bunch of people who won't infect any, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the so-called super spreaders. But they're, they're, they're evened out by the number of people that don't infect any or maybe just infect one person. So uh, it's, it's uh, 2.4. So the number we're looking for is 1 minus 1 over 2.4. So I can't do that in my – well, let's just say it's 1 over 2. So it would be about 0.5. So okay. 2.4 slightly higher than that. So it will be slightly higher. It works out to about 56% of the population if they are immune mm-hmm. – then we will achieve the threshold for herd immunity, which simply means that the threshold would be an R sub T, which is the actual number that people can infect, would be 0.9. So 1,000 people would infect 900 people. Those 900 would infect 810, and then 720, and then 640, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that... Now, that isn't going to happen. That won't make the pandemic go away overnight because each one of those generations is about 21 days long. But Mm -hmm. still, it will inevitably go away because it doesn't have anywhere to uh, reproduce. Right. Okay. So um, uh, now the R sub T's in most of the – you can go to rt.live and you can see the R sub T of your – of your um, state, so rt.live. Let's just go there right now. Okay, there's one state that's below one, and that's Mississippi, and their R sub T right now is 0.9, which means that they are, as a group, transmitting the virus at um, at a rate that will eventually end in the virus's decline if they keep up like that. So 0.9, again, 1,000 people would infect 910, infect, you know, or whatever, 900, and then 810, and then 720, et cetera. The highest one right now is Vermont at 1.43, but there's still, none of these are close to two, which is where when you have two, that means 100 people infect 200, which infect 400, which infect 800. Mm-hmm. So you see that geometric climb. Mm-hmm. So... We need to we need herd immunity to be at fifty five percent or greater. Now, there's already a bunch of people that have been infected, right? So three percent of the population right. has had it. The cases mm-hmm. that means ninety seven percent haven't, but there may be as many as fifteen percent of people that have been infected, but were just asymptomatic. We don't know that number, but let's say it is fifteen. Mm-hmm. Then we only have to get forty percent of people who haven't already had it, right? had there'll it. be some overlap, right. Right. Uh, who already haven't had it to get to 55%. Right. So we don't have to have 80, 90% of people, but I think most people, when when they see how effective this thing is and that it could spell the end of this and we can go back to normal, people will line up for it. Now, has it been rushed? The answer is, I would be the first to tell you if I thought this was rushed. I do not believe that it has been, and I'll tell you why. I agree. The, this happens so fast because the technology is completely different. When you want to make a normal vaccine back in the day, and we will never go back to this again after this, uh, you had to find the protein that you wanted to 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 make antibodies against, a foreign protein that the body would make antibodies against. 
that would block it. So we have that for coronavirus. It's the spike protein. Right. So if you block that, it can't infect you. Um, then you would have to find uh, a the DNA or RNA that caused that spike to be built. And then you would have to insert it into the genome of, say, a bacterium or, or some other living thing mm-hmm. that would then start producing this in quantities, okay? And you'd have to maybe grow it on cell culture on eggs, you know, or some cell culture that had nutrients in it. That's why... People who can't, who are allergic to eggs, can't take certain vaccines and stuff like that. And this, and then, and then you got to harvest enough of it. Then you got to purify out all the shit that you know the bacterial turds, basically that the, that these um, uh, proteins were produced in. And uh, and then you're uh, so that introduces other problems because the way that you clean it can introduce some chemicals that people could be sensitive to, and the the little um, just nano impurities that are in that can also cause people to be sensitive to them, and then uh, you have to get it in quantities enough so that you could make billions of doses or hundreds of millions of doses, however many. And it's hard to do. They're living things. Well, this, they just manufacture it. It's mm-hmm. just mRNA. The messenger RNA is just instructions to the body cells. Here's how you make the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So, and you, there are machines that will synthesize mRNA in quantities. And you just, you just uh, scale up. And you can make as much as you want. You make gallons of this stuff. Right. And, um, and so when you inject it, this M- messenger RNA, it gets inculcated into the cells of the human body, which then go, oh, it's the mRNA. We're supposed to make proteins with this. So the ribos, there are these other cool machines. If you want to see something cool, look at uh, uh, just Google image or uh, go to YouTube and look at um, messenger RNA animations and how it works because there are these machines called ribosomes and they have two lobes and the and the mRNA goes in and then you have these transcription RNAs that come in and they'll they'll attach at the right place <clears throat> and then uh, the proteins will be attached to those and then they will unhook themselves from the transcription RNA and then the proteins will link together and when you do enough of those they'll fold up into the protein that you're looking for it's incredible yep. it's just like having a deck of uh, of punch cards that you had maybe in computer lab 40 years ago <laughs> right right and all of this is going on millions of years before humans ever learned anything about punch cards, about manufacturing things, about what proteins were, all of this stuff was going on. So anyway, and then it advances to the next one and the next one and the next one. It keeps adding more and more proteins. And uh, that's what mRNA does. And then when the protein is done, it it uh, there's a stop code on the mRNA, and it stops and it releases that protein into the cell, which then it expresses itself on the surface of the cell. Well, guess what that looks like? It looks like a damn infection, mm-hmm. right? So you get not only humoral immunity, antibodies made against it, but you get cellular immunity where cells come in and learn it. You get your memory T cells and killer T cells and all these things start activating. And so it looks like a real infection, so you get better immunity that way mm-hmm. in theory. Mm-hmm. 
So that's why this was able to be done so quickly, because the technology is much cleaner, much easier to, to manufacture just strands of mRNA and have the body make the, the vaccine itself. Yeah. The mRNA isn't the vaccine, right? technically. You're injecting the instructions on how to teach the body to make the vaccine, and then you mount a, uh, an immune response against that. So, uh, yeah, and the, the next virus like this we get, we'll, we could do it even faster this time. Yeah, you know what this reminds me of? I'm, I'm having a flashback of, you know, 15 years ago we were talking about cancer and, and immunotherapy. Yes. And how, you know, we used, used to think it would be 50 years, and now with advances yeah. in technology, and we can use the foundations from these other viruses that we've had yeah. in, in, in creating more, more medications. And it's when just, we started it's this incredible, show. Incredible, incredible. In 2004, 2005, I was saying it's going to be 100 years. Oh, yeah. Before we get immunotherapy that's at the technolo- technological level that I was looking at, which is, you know, taking tumor proteins out, exposing people's white cells or, you know, yeah, their T cells and their different uh, memory cells to that and teaching them to kill the virus and then injecting them back in, having them multiply and divide and then just killing it, the um, the cancer perfectly. Yeah. You know, and then letting the body do the work for you. Yeah. And, and I, I said it was going to be 100 years and then it was like 50. Huh. You're right. Just like you said. And then 20. And now and we're doing it. We're There's doing a it now, commercially right? available version of that for certain cancers <clears> right now. And you, you heard it here first. <laughs> that Dr. is kind of true. That's well, very true. And the other thing they heard here <clears throat> first was I, you know, well, I will pat myself on the back. Mm-hmm. Back in February, I looked at the at the phases and said, yeah, it's going to be around mid-October mm-hmm. when if all the chips fall in the right um, uh, place and the dominoes, whatever, whatever metaphor you want to use, we should have be completed with phase three of some of these trials, either Moderna or uh, Pfizer by mid-October, mm-hmm. and I was off by a month, so I don't think that's too bad. No. And some of it, I swear, you know, it's, it, it seems a little fishy that they <laughs> waited until the week that they did to release this, but okay, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but any, remember, politics plus medicine equals politics, so any decision that was made that wasn't for the benefit of mankind as a political it's decision. Political, that's right. And, uh, I mean, some political decisions can be made for the benefit of mankind, but you know what I mean. When mm-hmm. it comes to medicine, uh, if it's not in the benefit of the patient, then it's it's a political, political decision. Thing, but yeah. uh, we'll never know unless somebody, some whistleblower, comes up with a memo that says, don't release no information until, no, right. you know, after, after Tuesday, November, whatever. And I'm sure somebody's <laughs> working on producing this right now. Uh, yeah, maybe <laughs> so. Maybe so. Yeah. yeah, these days it's hard to believe any evidence oh because gosh. you can fake everything. Like Did you movie. remember that movie Red Sun? It was a Michael Crichton book <laughs> or a Michael Crichton movie. And what it was was uh, they faked they faked evidence. Okay. And what they did was, and, and this was, gosh, he wrote this maybe 20 years ago. You might look and see when he when he wrote that. But uh, he always had one idea. Like for Jurassic Park, the idea was you could take DNA from amber, from mosquitoes that had bitten dinosaurs, and then make dinosaurs out of that. Okay. And then Congo was about... Um, and, and they totally missed the boat in the film, but Congo was about sign language or language in apes, in higher apes. 
And so in that one, you know, they found this group of apes that had been taught sign language 4,000 years before, and they were still teaching it to their young. They, you know, they passed it down. Totally missed the boat in the movie. They were just, you know, giant white gorilla monsters. But, um, but uh, in Red Sun, the idea was that evidence in the future will, may not be able to be reliable because they had a guy who murdered somebody and then they swapped faces and, at the, it, you know, digitally put a different person's face on this guy in this uh, surveillance video. And at the time, that was like, oh, my God, this is revolutionary. You know, this is crazy idea. But now, you know, with what do they call the face? Um, uh, oh, what's it called when you... Not a false face, but anyway, when, when you change somebody's face, yeah. they do it with Dave Landau every day. You know, he's Anthony's uh, partner, and they they take music videos like with Cardi B, mm-hmm. and they just put Dave Landau's face on there instead mm-hmm. of hers, and it's, it looks exactly like him. The first one I saw, I was like, I thought he did it. Oh, wow. you know, I thought he dressed, you know, put on a wig and some kind of push-up bra and stuff and was running around. It's so perfect. Hmm. So... Um, you know, uh, yeah. So if somebody comes up with a with a um, a memo, a lot of people, unless it's corroborated internally, a lot of people just say it's fake. Mm-hmm. Nobody, we don't believe anything anymore. No, hell no. I don't know how we're going to get back to where we do believe stuff. I think it's a it's that's it's a long time gone, as they say. Well, maybe I think one of the things is renew, removing the anonymity on the internet. Although Facebook, it doesn't seem to matter. No, you know. Careless. Yeah, people are less anonymous on Facebook. They still yeah. say goofy stuff. So I don't know. Anyway. All right. So, but that's really good news. Mm-hmm. It's really good news. Mm-hmm. And we only have to get 40, 50% of people to to do it. And I think we'll get 60, 70% of people to do it mm-hmm. once it comes out. You, people were worried about transporting the Pfizer vaccine. It's got to be kept in super cold. It was super cold. It's mm-hmm. I thought it was 40 degrees below zero. It's like negative 100 or something mm-hmm. like that. But they have a technology for shipping it. They can ship it to a doctor's office in this box. And I can't remember what they called the, the technology. It's like um, um, neutral temperature or something like that. But it's just super insulated. And it can sit on your desk for a week and still be good. And uh, as long as you uh, give it quickly, then it'll be fine. So I was trying to imagine these trucks that had refrigerated units that were negative 120 degrees Fahrenheit, and it, there's none of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they won't have to do that. That's so they, cool. They came up with something for that too. That was that was my biggest concern. But uh, they said, yeah, that won't that won't hinder people getting it at their local health department if they have to do it that way. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. That is cool. All right. Ready to take some questions? You guys have anything else? <coughs> Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Boy, well, that really is true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Too late. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right. Oops. Mike from New York calling. What's the deal with all this 
coronavirus stuff they're selling. It all says antibacterial, antibacterial. Right. The coronavirus is a, is a virus. Right. So what's the antibacterial stuff supposed to help with corona? Does it, or is it just a marketing idea? No, I love this question because it is. it would be confusing, if, particularly if you think critically about things. Obviously, anti, antimicrobial medications like, um, you know, antibi- or not antibodies, uh, antibiotics don't work against viruses, right? We keep telling people don't take right. antibiotics for a cold, for example, because it, it increases antibiotic resistance. But that's a different thing. Antibiotics tend to work by targeting some mechanism in the bacteria that causes them to re- that, that allows them to reproduce. So we, you know, either target the cell wall to make the cell walls break and o- break open, or target their ability to reproduce, whatever it is. And obviously, that's not going to work against viruses because they they work differently. But antibacterial soap, for example, um, will kill a virus just like it will a bacterium. Because, a matter of fact, it'll probably kill the the virus easier because viruses are very vulnerable most of them to uh, soap and water because they're just these little naked machines and they've got protein and and lipids on their surface right little clump you know molecules of fat right and um soap solubilizes fat so the second you you use soap and water the viruses are inactivated Bacteria can be a little bit more hardy than that, particularly ones that sporulate. In other words, make spores like Clostridium difficile. Clostridium difficile causes C or C diff, causes uh, pseudomembranous colitis, and causes severe diarrhea, and it can be life-threatening in some people. That one, my understanding is, can ca- when it gets threatened, it'll make spores, and those spores are really hardy. I mean, they're hard to kill. And uh, it's really hard to sterilize a room and kill all spores of things. And fungi can make spores, too. So really, the viruses are going to be more vulnerable to an antibacterial soap than maybe even some bacterium are. Hmm. So, Good question. All right. That was an excellent that question. That was a good question. <clears throat> I liked it. All right. Hey, Dr. Steve. It's Matt in uh, Charleston. How are you? Good, man. How are you? All right. Hey, so listen, I'm seeing a chiropractor because I had some back pain in my lower back, and I've always been very skeptical of chiropractors because of a lot of the kind of not doctor, doctor, not science stuff that surrounds that. Uh, How much of that is true? Is chiropractic legitimate medical practice or which doctor? Let me know. Yeah. So I, they call it chiropractic, not chiropractic, but that's all right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, look, uh, um, we used to have um, Dr. K on here. She's a chiropractor, and she uh, tragically, um, you know, lost her life to uh, breast cancer after, you know, a multi-year fight. Mm-hmm. But we had her in here, and we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. There is evidence for chiropractic manipulation, particularly for low back pain. So I have no problem mm-hmm. with people, if it, if it helps them, go into a chiropractor, uh, particularly you know, for the things that they're indicated for. Mm-hmm. Where I get a little bit wonky about this is, and it's not just chiropractors by any means, mm-hmm. but it's when people are practicing 
you know, whatever, you know, treating people. And uh, they're using things like coffee enemas for cancer. And when they get outside sort of their the realm of evidence-based medicine, and that's oh. when I start having problems with it. So if it's not going to do any harm, it's not that big of a deal. But when you're substituting that for other things that really would help, then I, that's when I have a problem with it. What do you, what sayest thou, Scott, because you're... You're classified as an alternative medicine mm-hmm. provider, even mm-hmm. though, you know, we could argue whether that that's a, an appropriate label for you, mm-hmm. given that. Yeah, anymore, you know, it's not so. Yeah, I mean, the evidence so major, for, yeah. for what you do, as long again, as long as you yeah. uh, stick with the things that there's evidence for. Well, and it, it's the same thing, you know, us chiropractors, physicians, it doesn't matter, masseuses. If you have somebody giving you bad advice and practicing under their scope, yeah. I have a problem with the period. Right. Um, you know, I know I've, 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 I know some chiropractors, and Dr. K was one of them. That are just brilliant people, yep. and do great work. And um, <clears throat> but knew know when to share and when to send people out for for things that they they cannot treat. Yeah, and she was very good about that. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah. The most of the times, I'm a I'm a huge supporter. But shit, it's like everything else. If if somebody's doing something wrong then they don't need to be practicing. Right. So, how would you know, someone know that? That's though? what I was just going to say is the, um, the pa- how would the patient know? Well, th- so here's what I tell people. If, you, if you've got someone telling you that they can take care of everything you have, for instance, I had a guy with um, Bell's palsy that came in because he had a sinus infection. This chiropractor said he could f- he cure Motion his... detected at the front door. Sorry. No, his sinus infection by manipulating his ear, right? Yeah. So he jerks on this guy's ear to treat his sinus infection, gives him Bell's palsy. We never could fix his face. Oh, yeah. Um, I I tell people they, they should be skeptical when they come in to see me. Yeah, Just and like me too. And anybody else. You need to see all of the documentation, all the all of the requirements um, should be um, not hidden, yeah. and there should not be any kind of deceit. Well, um, and, and that's hard to determine too, but any – Anyone that starts trashing uh, everything else that yeah. was done before, that is a red flag. Huge red flag. Huge red flag. Um, if they start to try to isolate you yeah. from other things, or, that's almost that cultish sort of uh, Try behavior. selling you on stuff that's not, you know, if you're in there and they're trying to, to sell you shoe implants and it's like, wait a minute. What exactly is your job? Yeah, you if know? you're upselling, yeah. that's a problem too. That's a huge, huge. And if they refuse to 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 um, refer out or call in other docs, that's a that's a huge red flag for me. Yep. And again, that's yep. across the board. It's not just one. It's everybody. no, no, no. Yeah, it, we're not just physical, talking about chiropractic. Yeah, no, it could be we're physical therapy. Any quack. It doesn't matter. So, but, um, um, okay, hang on now. Yeah. My kid is calling, Uh-oh. so I'm going to have to put him on the air real quick. Liam, you're on Weird Medicine. What's up, buddy? Okay, so where are you? I'm in the neighborhood. But I got to the Okay, um, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, um, t- you're, just come up and park your car, and mom will take both of you over there, and then we'll get it figured out. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, just well, you're in the neighborhood, right? So just bring it, yes. bring it back to the house. Okay, can I drive to school tomorrow? Well, we'll see. Let me. We're gonna, we gotta look at it. I'll teach you how to fix it in just a minute. <laughs> we gotta look at it, buddy. The low oil pressure is fixable, and the low tire pressure is fixable. So, but we'll 
We'll, we'll look at it here in a minute, okay? All right, I, I got to hang up. I got to do this. Okay, pal. All right, well, I got to hang up, too. I'm doing a radio show, but thank you. All right, good luck. You got any medical questions? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. But you know, Doctor Steve, I tell people, we, uh, you know, good medicine is medicine that's appropriate for you. Yeah. And I don't care if it's a, a hug or a kicking ass or yeah. or a brain surgery. If it's what you need, then that's what you need. That's right. Well, they did. Um, here's a systematic review. They did twenty three. Oh, this is a systematic review of systematic reviews. They found 23 chiropractic systematic reviews. 11 articles met the defined criteria that they were looking for. The results showed the influence of chiropractic on improvement of neck pain, shoulder, neck trigger points, and sports injuries. But then when it came to asthma, infant colic, autism, uh, GI problems, fibromyalgia, back pain, and uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, there was no conclusive scientific evidence. There was heterogeneity, and some of the studies also limited number of clinical trials. And it's hard to do sham chiropractic treatments, too, so it is Very hard. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard. But, you know, the thing is, is that if it um, if it helps you, you know, and, and it's not hurting thing. anything, right. then it's, it's fine. It's a good thing, yep. But there are, uh, I, I have heard of people that get their neck wanked, you know, get the crack in their neck, and they do the forceful cracking of the neck that have had strokes and stuff from that because it'll kick up. And quads? Kick a um um uh, what what am I blood clot a, a blood the, clot yeah the... like a plaque off of the yeah. inside of the the vessel and so um, but a lot of uh, chiropractors that I see are going to the more low impact stuff they got the thumpers now they're not cranking around yeah. and doing stuff really uh, they're using those activators a lot yep. and you know, I'll see those activators used and I, th- I think it's a lot safer yeah. Um, and it seems to be just as helpful. So, yeah. uh, you know, if you're a chiropractor and you want to talk to us, if we said something that's BS, that's fine. But, uh, you know, we're not crapping on no, chiropractors no, no, at no, all no, no, no. for what for, for the evidence says they're good at. Yeah, for certain right? things, it's wonderful. Yeah. So, all right. Very good. Hello, Dr. Steve. Hey, sir. Oh, it's tough. Oh, shit. Stacey Deloach. Hey, really enjoyed getting to do the show with you last week. Yeah, that was fun. We left something hanging in the air that we never did go back to. Yep. What is the difference in a CAT scan and an MRI? Oh, that's a great question. Close cousins of each other or two? Yeah, he did ask this question, and we never got to it. So uh, CT or CAT just stands for computer-assisted tomography. So uh, in computer-assisted tomography, you take a bunch of pictures uh, in a rotating in a rotating plane and then you stitch them together to make pictures of cross sections that you couldn't have gotten another otherwise. Right. So now, you know, if you've ever seen an MRI or you've seen a CT scan, they're both computer aided tomography. Mm-hmm. So the CT scan was the first type of CT uh, computer aided tomography that we used. So it got to keep the name. Mm-hmm. It's like Frigidaire, right? <laughs> right. And it got to keep the name, but really, it's really an X-ray computer aided te- um, um, uh, tomography, whereas an MRI is a microwave magnetic resonance imaging computer-aided tomography. So the CT scan, you've got this head that spins around, and as you move through this spinning field, it takes a bunch of pictures, and then the computer can stitch them together to make a cross-section. Right. So that like you're, like you're taking somebody, and they're laying on the table, and you're just taking slices 
and you can slice it all kinds of different ways from yep. the side, from, you know, uh, from to front toe, to back, head yeah. to toe, the whole thing. It's pretty cool. Uh, MRI is different. It uses microwaves and a really high-powered magnet. And we've discussed how it works before. We've just got a few minutes, so I'll take a second just to discuss how it works. When you go in that high Tesla magnetic field, it causes all of the hydrogen atoms in your body to start aligning uh, and they're spin together, and they will precess like a top. So if you spin a top, and if you look at the stem on the top, it'll start to spin around, just like the Earth kind of spins on its axis, right? And mm-hmm. at a 20-degree angle, you'll see the top starting to spin like that. Well, these uh, hydrogen atoms will do the same thing, and they'll all spin and precess at the same rate. Then you throw in microwaves, and some of those photons of microwave electromagnetic energy will cause these um, spinning hydrogen atoms to flip. They'll attain a higher energy state because they'll absorb one of them. Mm-hmm. And then they, if you keep applying that that frequency they'll start to release their um um photons at a certain energy level and then pick up another one and so they'll absorb at one energy level and re- and release at a different energy level and those released photons are the ones we're looking for right. and so and then you have a detector that detects those and then you can make pictures out of that too so the cool thing about MRI is that uh different chemical um, bonds will cause these hydrogen atoms to flip at different frequencies. So you can kind of look and say, oh, well, now that's water. Right. This over here is cerebrospinal fluid, you know, that kind yeah. of fat Nerves, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's really freaking cool, and yeah. it makes a really detailed picture, but it takes longer. It takes oh, like 45 wow. minutes yeah. to do one of those. But anyway, so that's they're both computer-aided tomography. But an MRI uses a different technique using magnets and microwaves, whereas the normal CT scan that you're thinking about uses X-rays, very low-dose X-rays. Okay. All right. Very good. I think we have time to do this one. Hey, guys. I know. It's weird. I got a question. Oh, my God. Anyway. It's him again. It's all on Facebook where metformin has been recalled. I take it twice a day, 500 milligrams. Does the menu? Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're running out of time. So let me just get to this. Uh, thank you, Stacy. Two good questions. Oh, yeah. um, the FDA is alerting people to a single laboratory. It's Nostrum Laboratories. They had a voluntary recall of four lots. That doesn't mean all of theirs, mm-hmm. just four lots of extended release metformin, not even the normal short acting metformin. Metformin is a drug that you can use for uh, diabetes, it decreases, um, uh, it, it, it's kind of like Adkins diet in a in a pill mm-hmm. and uh they're recalling metformin because it may contain this n nitroso dimethylamine and that is a that is a chemical that is known to be um uh, a, a contaminant and can cause um uh, cancer in animals so it's and it's in high doses. It's hepatotoxic. In other words, it 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 causes liver, some, yeah. uh, problems with the liver, right? So um, NMDA can be produced by water treatment and um, by chlorination. And the the question is just, you know, the level at which it's produced in the United States. So cured meat will also have these nitrosamines. We've talked about nitrosamines mm-hmm. before. This is the NMDA is the smallest nitrosamine. Okay. So it uh, can be found at low levels in uh, cured meats, 
fish, beer, uh-oh. Oh, no. Tobacco smoke, very naughty. Quit smoking. Yes. And also, um, there is a rocket fuel that is a effective precursor to NMDA as well. But that's, you know, the only thing that we're worried about in that regard is groundwater near rocket launch sites can have uh, high mm. levels of NMDA in it. So anyway, so d- this isn't a reason to get rid of your uh, metformin. metformin. No. Just talk to your primary to your primary um, or your pharmacist. Pharmacist. That's yeah. why I meant yeah. your yeah. primary pharmacist yeah. and see if your metformin falls under that uh, recall if it doesn't you're fine all right um you want to do another question let me see what we've got here oh yeah here's one on organ donation let's hello dr steve hey i have a stupid question for you no such thing (laughs) um if somebody is a organ donor right and they pass away kind of unsus like you know suddenly yep and they donate their organs while they're still alive, right? They keep them alive to donate their organs, and then they send the body over for an autopsy. How do they do an autopsy without? They can't. You know the vital organs like the heart, <laughs> right? The kidneys, the lungs. Yeah. So if so, let's say somebody okay. had a massive heart attack, and they donated their heart. How how do they you know autopsy that? Yeah. All right. Well, so a couple of things. The people that can donate live organs are people who are brain dead. And so these are people who have deceased. They have no brain function. And we can, believe me, we can uh, determine that pretty easily. There's a nuclear blood flow study to the brain, and it'll show you know, there's no f- blood flow to the brain. Right. If there's no blood flow to the brain, you're dead. Back in the day, if people stopped breathing, they were considered dead. This would have been you know, in the 1800s or something, if you stopped breathing, oh, they died. And then we invented respirators. Mm-hmm. So stopping breathing, we could we could do something about that. So just stopping breathing couldn't be it. So we said, well, okay, if their heart stops, then they're dead. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, except now we can do CPR and shock people and use drugs and pacemakers and stuff like that. Some people we can sort of bring back from the brink. Or ECMOs. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like the poor guy from that was hiking the other day. Oh, what happened with him? Well, just just to kind of go go on yeah. with what you're saying, the, the the gentleman was a was an addict formerly. He got off drugs, yeah. hardcore drugs, yeah, and he it had gotten into hiking, and he was an avid hiker, yeah, and, and got out and got stuck, um, in a in a in a kind of a freak snowstorm, um, the. They found him. Researchers found him, or found him like two days later, and he was researchers. Well, you mean search um, and search, rescue? Yeah, search and rescue. Researchers. <laughs> researchers. I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> but the search and rescue guys found him like two days later, brought him into the hospital, and and they did CPR on him for forty five minutes. Oh, oh, he was fr- yeah. he was cold. He was cold. Yeah, 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 yeah. His body temperature was. I think they said it was. 30 degrees okay. lower than what it should have been. Right. Because he's 68, yeah. roughly. He was in suspended animation. Suspended animation. They put him on ECMO, which is kind of what you're describing now, which is, is a whole other thing, an ECMO machine, which yeah. which, which helps to um, balance out his oxygen and carbon dioxide and while they were working right. on his heart. extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. Mm-hmm. So this is just basically where you're taking blood out of the body and then oxygenating it somewhere right. else. So you're not using the lungs to oxygenate yeah. the blood. Right. Yeah. Okay. And brought him back. Wow. Sucker was 
long gone. Brother. And his brain functions normal. Perfectly normal yeah. as of now. And he, we hear this with kids a lot. You know, kids fall into a lake that's frozen. You know, they fall through the the ice. And, you know, you can't just swim back up to the surface again because you move and you can't find the hole and stuff. No, and shoot, no. Some of these, you know, the kids, when they, they'll find them, it be 45 minutes, mm. but it, they, you don't give up until you've brought them back to their whole body back to room temperature mm. because many times they will survive that and have no deficits from yeah. it. Incredible. But it has, they have to be resuscitated properly. Yeah, slowly, yeah. So so stop, your, your heart stopping by itself can't be the sole... Uh, the sole criteria for death, right? right? So right now, we say absence of permanent absence of brain function, you're dead. Mm-hmm. And that's going to carry us for a while until we can somehow scan somebody's brain and get the quantum state of every neuron and then <laughs> and then turn that, you know, transmit that to a computer where they'll wake up and go, whoa, you know, wait a minute, where's my body? And then we won't be able to say brain death is death either. But uh, until then, we don't have that technology. It's going to be a while. So we're going to uh, say, you know, your brain dying is you're dead. So people who are brain dead but are on the ventilator, their body is still functioning. Their kidneys may still be perfusing. Their heart is still pumping. Where they can't breathe because they have no respiratory drive because they're dead. Right. So they have to have, be on the ventilator. And if you take somebody off a ventilator and they start breathing, they're not dead. They're not brain dead. And that's one of the tests for it. As a matter of fact, is a thing called an apnea test. If you think someone's brain dead, you uh, uh, get them highly oxygenated with 100% oxygen. You can get somebody's oxygen up to like 700 doing that. And then uh, you remove the tube and watch them for 10 minutes. It's the longest 10 minutes of your career watching somebody. And you check their vitals every minute. And uh, you watch for respiratory um, uh, attempts, any attempt, Mm -hmm. any attempt. And they still have some brainstem function. They're not dead. But if they don't breathe, they don't even try, and then their carbon dioxide goes up by a certain amount at the end, so you have to do a blood gas before and after, then you can declare the patient dead. And people get into trouble declaring people brain dead when they don't follow the protocol. Mm -hmm. If you follow the protocol, so now you've shown there's an absence of of brain function, brainstem function. You've got to now show that it's permanent. Because if I just give you enough propofol, I can make it look like you're brain dead. Right. Right? I can make it look like you can't breathe. I mean, you you won't be able to breathe on your own. Mm-hmm. And you won't be you won't move, so you'll look like you're brain dead. So, so just that one test isn't enough. You have to now prove that the lack of um, brainstem function is permanent. So before you even start, you got to rule out drugs, mm-hmm. hypothermia, like you just said, all those things. you got to make sure all those things are controlled for before you even start this process. Well, anyway, so one way to do that is that cerebral blood flow study. And so if you have an apnea test that shows no brainstem function, then, by the way, they can't have reflexes either. You do that before you do all of this stuff. Sure. Uh, and I'm talking about brainstem reflexes, uh, corneal reflex, like when, you know when something gets in your Touch eye, and you their blink, eye. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that kind of stuff. So all of that's got to be going. Um, they can still have spinal reflexes, like people who are brain dead can still get erections and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean. As a matter of fact, there have been people who have been uh, 
hand job to completion while they were brain dead just to get a sperm sample. Mm Which just goes to show you, even a brain-dead dude is still, you know, sexist. Still loves it. <laughs> right? yeah. But anyway, so um, you uh, uh, have to, you, you go through all these things and show that it's permanent. And then you can start thinking about harvesting, quote-unquote, organs for organ donation. All right. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, you ain't got the covert, do you? Hardly. I got, well, the, leaf, I got the leaf mold. Is what well, I then I'm, now I'm getting paged, oh, and God. I didn't even work today. So, uh, anyway, uh, I guess we better get out of here. But that's that's the deal. So, you yes, you can't really do a, a complete autopsy and donate your organs at the same time. So, uh, Good we, question. That wasn't stupid at no, all. No, it's not stupid. Yeah, it's a great stupid. question. And there may, be, uh, there may be exceptions to that mm-hmm. as well. So... And if anybody knows of one, I'd be happy to hear it. We can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Holly from um, Fort Charlotte, Port Charlotte, Lewis Johnson, Paul Opcharsky, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, uh, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy. Do I say Jim McClure on here anywhere? Have I not said Jim McClure this whole time? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, the great Rob Bartlett, Bernie and Sid, Ron Bennington, Chowdy from Florida, Fez Watley, Chrissy's sister, and all those people who supported this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times, oh, at Jim McClure's pleasure. Yeah, so he doesn't get mentioned twice. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website, drsteve.com, for schedules and podcasts, other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>